Good morning. You, you're, you'll be able to tell pretty quickly I'm not from around here. Uh, my wife, Gail, and I, we, we hail originally from Mississippi. Yeah. Any Mississippians here? One. Hallelujah. <laughs> we came way up here looking for you. <laughs> Can't afford to lose any. Uh, we've spent our last 30 years in New Mexico, and Gail and I have, um, we're blessed with three children, eight grandchildren, a great grandson. We don't mess around. <laughs> and a great granddaughter on the way. Yeah. And uh, you can't tell it to look at me, but generations of flaming redheads all, all through the years. And um, I, I just want to speak a word here to, to be a guest in your, in your house. Um, Pastor Josh, you took a chance on me. You didn't know me. Uh, but, of course, you kind of know your parents, right? <laughs> and uh, you've opened your heart. And you've opened this house to me, and I honor you and thank you. And uh, walk in here this morning, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was a pastor for over 40 years. I've been in the ministry for 48 years. And um, my church in New Mexico, Gail and I started a church. It was called New Life City. And um, I was so proud of my church. I always, I always wanted, like I would invite guest ministers in, and I would think, they're going to be so jealous of me. Because <laughs> I just thought my church was wonderful. And I felt that same thing when I was with you this morning. I never told anybody that before. I, fe I could feel the, the, the jealousy of love over you from, from your pastoral family. And... Uh, Hallelujah. We rejoice in the people who are the church of God. We rejoice in you. And then I just want to say a word because I've found a little bit about your history. Um, the, the kingdom is a family. You know that? The kingdom of God is a family. And, and God's normal way in Holy Scripture, it's, it's called covenant, but covenant is how families are made. It's plain and simple. If you're in a covenant, you're in a family. When I married this lady, we made a covenant. And so you guys have uh, a kingdom covenant family of multi-generations uh, to come in here and realize um, that your founding pastor, pastors, Paul and Cheryl, 40 years, 40 years, that's like a biblical generation. And honestly, it, I just, I mean, 40 years of being steadfast, 40 years of persevering, 40 years of uh, f taking losses and gaining victories, 40 years of seeing the ebb and flow. But if you want to understand what 40 years is, read about the life of Moses from the Exodus forward and, and read about that and feel the force of the things they went through. And so... To have that and then to be able to pass 
the leadership of the work on uh, to a son and his wife. Hallelujah. You guys have done well. And, and pastors, you did well. Oh, my goodness. I, like, oh, my goodness. I, the longest I stint I had in one place was, uh, we, had, we were 30 years in a city, but uh, we were 21 years in the same church. And I know how hard that is because I came to the place where I thought, I don't think they hear anything I say anymore. And uh, you know a father provides for his children? And when I come in here and I just walk in this place and I see a house, uh, a house prepared. And a, and a father tells his children who they are. Listen, don't listen to the world about people finding out who they are by going deep inside. That's a bad source. (laughs) Fathers and mothers tell their children who they are. And don't you abandon that vocation. That's from God. That's why you name someone to tell them what they are and who they are. And this is why Mama Gail, whenever there's a baby, she delves into the name because a name is a prophecy a name is a prophecy that has something to say of what what God intended when you were given that name hallelujah all right all right all that was just to say hello and uh now I'm going to talk to you this morning about the the bread and the cup. We're going to spend the whole morning on that. And then we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup together. Now you have to understand what it's about. If you have a family, the family has a meal. The, the meal d- determines the family. My, my mama understood this and my mama used to say whenever somebody was over, that they were in the family. If you put your feet under my table, you're in my family. So there would, if you were a guest, that's the essence of hospitality, is that you're saying to someone that you are extending to them family blessing. And when my mama got mad at me one time, and, and I, I'm, an, I'm an only son with five sisters. So it was almost forbidden to be mad at the fair child of grace. That lady even called me the rose among the thorns. She got mad at me because I, I, I unsettled the family. And I actually did it on purpose. And, but my mama couldn't admit that she was mad at me. Because it's just like something she like, doesn't do. And uh, I'm like, Mama, you're upset with me. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are, Mama. Well, I ain't broke your plate yet. <laughs> you understand? You can still come to the table. Because when you're family, you come to the table, even when there's stress and tension. And I have a goal for you that, that has been my goal for the weekend. I'm going to nail it home today. My goal is that the church would so understand the gift of eating and drinking that the church would restore the family table to its place. 
that you would come back to the table with your meals and without your electronics and without your TV on and without your distraction and you would look at each other face to face and you would break your bread and you would take the cup, you would eat and drink together and discern one another and know one another and bless one another and have some good fights too. Because that's what families do. That's what they do. And so when God decided to put you in His family, He offered you a meal. What He gave us was a meal. And the roots of this idea of a family meal go so far back into the history of things in the Bible that it goes back to the very beginning. God made a garden and He said, I've prepared food for you. You can eat this. Because He's a Father and He's providing for His children. And then all through the Bible, every time, not, well not every time, but very often when you see a covenant made, there's a meal. And sometimes... The meal is just a snack. Because what's represented by the snack is everything. And so Abraham, who is um, the offspring of the line through which God plans to bring forth the Savior, Abraham, his family has wandered off into Ur of the Chaldees and they have forgotten who they are. And he has an encounter with God. And God says, you're going, I want you to go to a land I'll show you. What God is saying is, you're going home. I'm taking you home. And when he gets in the land, God immediately visits him. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to use you. And through your offspring, coming from your own body, I'm going to bless every family on earth, meaning the people in Dexter, New York. And wherever else around here. I'm going to bless them all through you. This is the most crazy promise that was ever given. Everybody thinks that Abraham... Listen, Abraham didn't give a fig about the land. I'm sorry, he didn't. The only thing he did with the land was buy enough of it to bury his dead. Abraham was looking for a city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was hungering and thirsting after the blessing that God would pour forth through him that would bless all the nations of the earth. Y'all are in trouble because I hadn't even gotten to my sermon yet. (laughs) And my wife is saying, you better turn me down because I'm hurting her ears. So I don't know if that's necessary, but whatever. Because I'm not likely to quieten down very long. I'll get quiet for a minute and then it'll happen. I'll be excited again. And it'll be like I'm watching the football game. Hallelujah. You ought to hear her when she's watching the football game. That woman will talk to the TV when she's in a room by herself. <laughs> All right, you're busted. And, and Abraham, as soon as God gave him that promise, he comes into the land, and the first thing you know, he's in conflict. And he wins the conflict. And he's coming back from the conflict, and he runs into a, a king who is a priest. And that king who is a priest brings out bread and wine. And Abraham receives because, listen, when a king offers you something, you receive it. 
And I'm here to tell you that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is offering you food to eat and something to drink. And what's meant inside of that is He's giving you everything. Because it's the King's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. This is our God. And Abraham saw him and brought tithes. Because it's what you do when you have a king. I've been so impressed that I, I don't think I've heard a word about money in this church. And, and yet I know you bring your tithes, not because you're compelled to do it, but you do it because you have a king. And he's after the order of Melchizedek. He's like that old king that Abraham ran into. All right, now we're going to start preaching. You okay, baby? I have to look at my wife to see if it's all right. You know, y'all know how your automobiles, sometimes they put a governor on your automobile so you won't go too fast or too far? I brought my governor with me. And she's going to be happy because I'm going to go fast because I'm going to skip a couple of verses. There you go. Just like that, I advanced. Okay, so this was, listen, these verses, this is the Lord's Supper passage. In other words, this is the meal that God gave us. If, if you have any trouble getting this, y'all know how when you go to a wedding and they come to the time for the cake and the cup and they take the cup and they lock arms and they feed each other. And if they understand it, they don't get stupid and smash it in somebody's face. Because they understand that what they're saying is, you are me, and as long as I eat, you eat. And, and, and you feed one another, and you're saying, I am you and you are me. The same with the cup. It's a holy moment. It's a moment of family forming. And listen, that's what we're doing this morning. We're going to take the cup, and we're going to take the bread, and we're not only saying to him, I, you are me, and I am you. Oh my goodness, union with God. But we're saying to one another, yeah. We're saying, this is family. I've traveled in many countries, and everywhere I go, as soon as I meet people who love Jesus, I know I've met a family member, and I say to them, you're more family to me than the citizens of my nation are to me. I know I know it's 4th of July week and I love the nation but the covenant I have with Christ and his family exceeds any kind of covenant that's with any kind of nation because it comes from the fact that Abraham said was, was sent to bring seed that would bless all the nations. And so God do indeed bless America but bless all the nations of the earth and let them all know your presence. Let them all know your favor. Let the knowledge of the glory of God fill the earth way the water covers the sea. Now listen, I'm not foolish enough to think that everybody that's in the sound of my voice has a vital relationship with God, but this morning you're invited to have one. Because lots of times you experience, you come in... And you come in a group like this, and I, I, like if you come in a group like this and, and you're going, whoo, these people are intense. 
and, and it, like you're not feeling it? <laughs> and, you, and, you go, and you go, what's wrong with me? Well, probably nothing really, but you're invited to taste and see that He is good. Knowing Christ is an experience that's transformative. And, and when, when people are hungry and thirsty because this world is feeding us stuff that all it's doing is making us angry and alienated and afraid and not knowing who we are, when God says, I'll feed you, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be your father, you'll be my daughter, you'll be my son. Okay, now that's real food. And I'm saying to you, we're going to ceremonially take a cup and a, and a morsel of bread. And I'm saying to you that in that experience, Christ is offering himself to you. And he's saying, don't just receive the physical element, but have your eyes open. And so that's what I'm up to. This morning, that in the teaching, your eyes will come open. And so, it says, Paul, Paul writes, by the way, this is in the Bible. This is the earliest written record of the Lord's Supper. This passage was written before the Gospels were written. That's a little, people don't realize that. Watch what it says. For I received from the Lord... What I also delivered to you. In other words, Paul is saying, I wasn't one of the twelve disciples, but I got this straight from him. That the Lord on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remember, took the cup after the supper. I was telling them last night that they were, they were having a Passover meal. And there were, three, or there were four cups of wine that you received during the Passover meal. And the third cup, hallelujah, is, is the cup you take after you eat the meal. And in the eating of the meal, he said, he said this is my body. The Passover meal, he's saying, I'm the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb that you had, I'm the, I'm the true Passover lamb. I'm the one who comes to take away the sins of the world. Behold, the lamb of God. And so, and so he says that this is the new covenant, the new family in my blood. Do it as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. He's coming, you know, he's coming. He's coming. Don't, don't, don't worry about when. That's not your problem. It's none of your business, actually. <laughs> but he's coming. Surely he's coming. He has more sons and daughters to gather. You might be the reason he's delaying. Because today he wants you. I didn't expect this, Pastor, but I'm getting this evangelistic thing going on inside of me. I'm getting this desire to say that, that if you're here and if, you, if you're desirous for a new life, Jesus has one for you. 
All right, the sermon begins. My wife is shaking her head, but I, I don't worry about her. Why do you keep bringing her up? Because she scares me to death. <laughs> if you get mad at me, I can handle it because you're, you're going away. Luke 22, and he took the bread. All right, so what I read you in 1 Corinthians, this is where it happened. This is Jesus doing it. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. All right. Unbelievable thing. It's an unforgettable moment. Look what it says. He took bread. He gave thanks. That's the word in Greek, Eucharisteo. So if you under wonder why some people call this supper the Eucharist, this is the reason. Don't get mad at them. It's just be all right with it. Like say, okay, I'm having that too. <laughs> the only time that the word the Lord's Supper is mentioned is in 1 Corinthians when Paul is rebuking them by saying, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. It's something else you're doing because they made a mess of it. But look what it says. He took the bread. He gave it to them. Uh, he, he, he gave thanks, I'm sorry. He broke it and he gave it to them. This fourfold thing is important for you for just a minute. Just get that inside you. And, and they didn't know. Understand this. They were mystified. Jesus was messing up the Seder, the, the Passover meal. And they didn't understand it. And so they just kind of, because they had learned a long time ago with Jesus, shut up. Now then we go straight to the cross and straight to his death. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That mysterious darkness. I talked about it last night in the sermon. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. That is to say, that curtain that separated the people from the presence, the manifest presence of God was ripped apart. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And, and I've entitled this, Uncreated Life Breathed His Last. Think about that. The uncreated one became one of us and died. Hallelujah. And I always tell people this, he gave his life for us in order to give his life to us. Now listen to this, let me say it another way. He expired his breath so that you could receive his breath. Literally one of the first things he does when he, when he comes back from the dead is breathe on them and say receive my spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. He gave his life to us to live, uh, to, to live his life in and through us. This is the gospel. He gave his life for us in order to give his life to us. 
He gave his life to us in order to live his life in and through us. This is the whole gospel in a, in a little nutshell. And then, uh, of course, he had died, and it's now the third day. The third day in the Bible is what we call the, the first day. And it's also the eighth day, or if you will, the day of a new beginning. Because on this day, this third day, Jesus brings into the old world of death a life that can never die, that is the foundation for new creation. He comes back from the dead, and he's alive from the dead. That very day, two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So it's the third day, it's getting later in the day, and they're going home, and they're on a walk. And probably they're better walkers than we, than we are, given that, you know, given that they walked everywhere they went, pretty much. Um, I used to, I, I love the story, and you'll understand why I love the story about the, the, <laughs> the kid who said, Dad, I, w- I want a car. And, he, and, and, uh, and his dad says, well, son, uh, get your hair cut, and I'll get you a car. And the boy said, Dad, Jesus had long hair. And he said, and he walked everywhere he went. <laughs> I was, you know, that's about the hair. Anyway. Can't get this stuff just anywhere. And they were talking to each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Oh, you got to get hold of this. And he said to them, what, what is this conversation you're having at, and together as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor in in Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened here in these days? He said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and in word before God and the people, and, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned and crucified him. So get the scene here. This is this is like this is like my favorite thing. That, that Jesus walks up to a couple of travelers and, and they, are, they are his followers and they look at him and they don't know who he is. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. I'm saying to you that the risen Jesus could not be recognized by natural eyes. It will take a miracle to open their eyes. So literally, well, when Jesus comes back from the dead, he does the miracle of resurrection, and then he has to do another miracle. Because, I mean, this is mind-blowing. Why didn't they know him? Well, I tell you, one of the reasons they didn't know him is because they're looking at something that has never existed on earth before. 
They're looking at a new creation life. They're looking at life come out of the grave. They're looking at a a physical body that is not limited by any of the physical properties of this world. They're looking at something that is not of the old creation, but it's completely of the new creation. They couldn't see that. Their eyes were riveted to the dimension in which they existed. And he's bringing a new dimension into reality. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then they go, but we had hoped he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And watch this. And besides all this, it's the third day. Meaning that the disciples, Jesus had told them often enough that he would die and on the third day rise again. And now they actually do remember it, but they don't believe it. It's late. It's the third day. Moreover, some of the women of our company, even more news, amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they didn't find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And I'm kind of screaming inside myself like, what are you doing going home? And the answer is, well, you know, part of the answer is this report came from the women. And they didn't believe in women preachers. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Jesus said, I'm going to give the biggest announcement that the world has ever made to women and they're going to tell it so nobody will believe it. He doesn't check with us. He does what he wants to do, and he doesn't ask our permission. (laughs) Hey, wife. (laughs) I got got a towel. And he said to them, Oh, I love foolish ones. Slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, that means Genesis. He wrote Genesis. And all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Oh, man. Oh, pastor, I read that passage and I said, where are the recordings? And I did. I said that. And God said to me, in your Bible. And he set me on a journey. And this was, when I, when I realized this, this was like, Pastor, this was almost, this was over 25 years ago. And I began to be on a journey. And I was actually teaching this stuff. When your parents uh, were visiting Janelle at the school, And we encountered each other. Because I've spent my life trying to do the forensics on what did Jesus tell them? Where can I find him? Where can I find him in all the scriptures? And I'm sorry, but you don't have time for me to tell you. But listen, I want you to want to know. What a a study. Whew. 
Jesus, the lamb that was not spared. Jesus, the serpent on the pole. Jesus, the rod that budded. Jesus, the golden pot of manna. Jesus, hallelujah, he's everywhere. The water that came from the rock. Jesus, he's everywhere. And they're telling, and this guy's giving them a Bible study. And they said, we never had no study like this before. You know what he was telling them about? He was telling them about the long war that the seed of the woman had fought with the seed of the serpent. And I pull up here Genesis 3, uh, 13, and, and where, the, where the woman had sinned and the, and the Lord comes to the serpent that caused her to sin. And he says in verse uh, 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her, her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Uh, A better word is crush. Which is to say, the seed of the woman is coming one day. And when she comes, she's going to, when he comes, he's going to crush the head of the serpent. And he's going to be wounded in the project. And what, like what those disciples were seeing was, they were seeing Jesus back from the wound. He's been to the infirmary. He's back from the wound because death could not hold him because death had no claim on him because unlike every other human that had come into the world, this one was without sin. And therefore, he is able to represent sinners and oh, how the enemy was confused by this and thought that if I can kill this one, I can end the whole project and, and, and I'll have it all. No, when you kill him, you're assuring your demise. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so the long war with the serpent was also accompanied by the long wait for the Spirit. I'm not going to stop here except to tell you that the blessing that God had for Abraham was that God was going to give his life to all the nations through the offspring of Abraham, meaning the breath of God was going to come into all the people of the earth through the one that Abraham would have. I know this is complex, but just breathe. Because God has made receiving as easy as breathing. And I know I believe that because every time in the Bible the gospel is preached, guess what happened? Instead of anybody having to pray like the the Jesus prayer or having to do everything, while the man was preaching and teaching, the Spirit fell on them. And all they did was go, oh... I was telling the group last week, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it was very unsettling to my wife. But I had a daughter who, was, who, as soon as she heard it, she was like, she was like, okay, I'm going after that. And it literally, it was unsettling. It took us a couple of years to work that process through. But my daughter was having dinner with her mama, and she says, where's dad? Well, your dad went to a service, one of those revival services, one of those renewal services, one of those Holy Ghost services. And my daughter said, where? And she left the meal with her mama, and she came down. She came down to the service. And, of course, I'm a preacher, so they always drag preachers down to the front row in those revival meetings. So I'm down there on the front row, and my daughter comes in. She says, can I sit with you, Dad? Right? Because she can, because she's my daughter. (laughs) And... 
I'll never forget it as long as I live. The music began. The first chord of the music. And my daughter went, (laughs) And what took me years of seeking and praying, in an instant she got it. Why? Because her heart was full of faith. And and while she, she was going to receive... And if your heart is full of faith, you don't have to wait for me to finish preaching. Just breathe and receive Him. Because He wants to breathe on you. He wants to give Himself up to you. He's coming. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Wait a minute. I'm going the wrong way. I'm backsliding in my sermon. You're not supposed to do that until after you preach. Watch it now. So they drew near to the village. They got close to Dexter, where they were going. And he, Jesus, acted like he was going to go farther. Don't, y'all have done this, you know. You go over to somebody's house, and you smell the cooking, and you hang out till it's, it's embarrassing for them to tell you to go home. So, so they just feed you. You've done it. And they urged him saying, stay with us because it's toward evening and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Oh my goodness. Watch this. When he was at the table, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open. You understand this? You understand this? You understand this? They ate. They're eating the covenant meal. Jesus is turning a regular domestic family meal into a celebration of the covenant. He's not waiting for Passover to come around to next year. He's saying, nope, every time we meet, every time we eat, we're going we're gonna to do this. And Jesus showed up when, they, when, he, when he broke the bread and their eyes were open and they knew him. I'm so after this. Listen, I don't know how God's going to do this, but I know for certain that God's going to take the Lord's Supper and cause it to be the greatest evangelistic outpouring that there ever was because we're going to break bread and people are going to see Jesus. The revelation of Jesus is in the breaking of the bread because when we break the bread, we're saying, we're so needy, we're so needy. God help us. And so I'm saying to you, not only is he in the breath, he's in the food. And so sometimes people will say to me, I want to receive from God. I want to receive. But it's so hard for me to receive. And I say, it's not hard for anybody to receive. It's hard for you not to receive. If you start trying to not receive, you're going to receive. It's, you're, you're, because you're going to be desperate. It, try not breathing. Try not eating. It won't work. You can't do it volitionally. Something, something disruptive will have to happen to you. So God made the, the passages whereby he visits us as near as our breath, as near as our table. He wants to come to us. He wants us to know him. And their eyes were open. I'm almost done. Maybe. 
They recognized him and he vanished from their sight. The mystery of why he vanished uh, lingers on people, but I, I think it's this. Because Jesus is like, I can't stay with all of you. And so he visits us at the table. He comes to every table. He comes to see you at the place of your need. Watch this. In the beginning, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to make the, uh, to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it and gave it to her husband and he ate it. And then the eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. That's the original story of the original man, uh, humanity. Here's what happened. God, the, the God that created them, offered them food to eat. And along comes a tempter and says, I've got better food for you. It'll have a better outcome. Eat from my table. And they ate from the serpent's hand and their eyes were open. And they realized their shame and their pain. And Jesus intentionally, this is in the word of God intentionally, the Lord's Supper reverses the curse from the eating of that food. And whereas that was an opening of our eyes to our shame, this is an opening of our eyes to the grace of God and to our forgiveness. When God comes to you, He comes to you not to expose you in your nakedness, but to expose you to His love. And when His love fills you to the full, it is so powerful that your shame becomes part of your story. It's no longer... It's no longer a thing that holds you in chains, but it's rather the part of you that is your message. Your mess becomes your message. And so you, 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 you get, let me tell you what I was, and then Jesus came to me. This is the gospel. This is the good news. It was the same process. This is how their eyes got opened. Luke, Luke did this to us on purpose. He took bread. He blessed it. Now, this is just a slightly different word, but the process was the same. It went from Eucharisteo to eulogeo. Instead of giving thanks, he blessed it for them, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and their eyes were open. Again, I'm headed toward it. And they said to each other, What was it like before you got air conditioning? You, you, people can't, you people shut yourself up in this place without air conditioning for how long? The Holy Ghost must be here. <laughs> Hallelujah. They, yeah, they put in air conditioner in it so we knew we were coming. <laughs> Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us and while he opened to us the scripture? And I am not saying this by way of any kind of vanity. I'm saying this because I know when the scriptures are open for people, their hearts begin to burn. And I know that in this room are burning hearts right now, longing for the revelation of Jesus, longing for the things that I'm saying 
to become food for you and life for you and breath for you. You are the company of the burning heart. This is the fellowship of the burning heart. We are the brief order of the priesthood of the burning heart because our desires are toward him. And they rose that same hour. Now watch this. And returned to Jerusalem. Nobody in Israel got up after dark and left and went back to town. They didn't do that, but here they go. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he, Jesus, was known to them in the breaking of bread. What God does next is astonishing, and he does it to rivet into our hearts what I'm saying. Because because we haven't got it yet, but watch what happens when we get it. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them like he did on the road to Emmaus. And he said to them, peace. Hallelujah. And they were startled and frightened. They had anything but peace. They thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Watch this. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, watch this. Do you have anything to eat? Hallelujah. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it before them. You see, this is on purpose because God wants to bless both the common meal and the sacred meal. And God wants to reveal himself in the normal processes of our life when we come to table. And so he literally, you you explain it to me. I can't explain it. They gave him a piece of fish and he took it and ate it and then said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. This is when they believed him. And then I love this. Watch it. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Pastor, do you see this? Listen, I know you're, oh, you're a communicator, man. You're amazing. Isn't the spirit of God on this man? I'm telling you. Without the spirit of revelation, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. You see, God comes to us by way of opening the heavens. And it's been my desire that as I'm talking, that somebody would be here and say, I don't really even understand this man, but something that he's talking about is causing my heart to be on fire, and I want it. I want to know this God. I want to know him and that you will call upon him and he will come to you. But Jesus cannot be known by mere explanation. He can only be known by the revelation from heaven of himself. And so even to his own disciples, he's standing there among them. And it says, and so he, he reveals himself and then he does this amazing thing. He opens their minds to understand the scripture. Pastor, I... I... I've had this strange experience that's been happening to me since I go to Global. When I go to Global and I teach like this, the students will come and they'll say, can, can you, they'll say, can you, can, can, can you pray for me? Because listen, 
Global students believe in miracles, and so they believe in anything, right? Crazy things. And so they'll hear you preach, and they'll say, I want to preach like that. Lay my hands on me so I can preach like that. And Right? Like, like crazy, like crazy. They want, they want the miracle of being able to communicate. They want the miracle of being able to understand the scriptures. And so people started coming to me because I've been at this for my whole life, literally. And, and listen, when they first came to me, they would, they would come and say, can you pray for me so that I can, so that I can uh, understand the scriptures and teach the scriptures like this? And honestly, this is, this is human. <laughs> when they first did it, I was like, Well, let me get this straight. I didn't say this, but in my mind I'm saying, well, let me get this straight. What I've worked my whole heart, my whole life for, you want me to touch you and you get it? <laughs> and and I was like, I was like indignant about that. I was all in a twist about that. <laughs> and the Lord said, that's what I do. You say you want to do the things that Jesus did. Hallelujah. And so Jesus blessed, and I have the ability to bless. Hallelujah. I, I, like, really, it's, it's a miracle that Jesus is known, and it's a miracle that he's understood. And I, did you receive that in the, in the spirit that I gave it to you? Because... I, I understand the beauty of what God does. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise again. By the way, I challenge you to chase down all the instances of where it says that in the Old Testament. <laughs> and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You're the witness of these things. And then what he said... Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed from on high with power. All right, so let's, let's receive together. And I'm going to just step down off the platform and just be with you. We're, we're going to be family. We're going to be family. We're going to be family. We're going to partake of the family meal together. All right? And, and now you have more information. And what we're going to pray for is, Lord, will you give us revelation? Open our eyes because we want to see Jesus. And if you're here, listen, I think I, I'm right about this. Anyone here is invited and welcome. You're welcome to receive. And I'll be audacious and I'll say to you, you say, well, I don't feel worthy. It isn't at all about that. None of us is worthy. It isn't about that. It's about our need. We need Christ. We need him. He was God come in the flesh. And then he didn't actually discard the flesh. He transformed it. And he gives us hope that as this mortal body goes into epic fail, 
that it will return renewed, alive. He gives resurrection to our bodies, healing to our bodies. And so the Lord, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread and broke it. Hallelujah. And gave thanks and gave it to them saying, this is my body. The body of Christ, church, the body of Jesus is given for you. Be born again. Covenants are sealed in blood. Because the life is in the blood. And so Jesus made a blood covenant with us. And he wasn't a breaker of the covenant, but we were. And knowing that we could no more keep the covenant. You know, remember Abraham when God made the covenant with Abraham? And it came time to walk between the blood. Abraham went to sleep because God knew Abraham couldn't keep this covenant. And so there was a flaming pot and a smoke, there was a flaming torch and a smoking pot they passed through. God was saying, I'm going to keep both sides of this covenant. And so this is the covenant that Jesus made for us and has kept for us and offers it to us. And so this is the blood of Christ, the blood of the everlasting covenant. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you gave yourself to us. And in grateful hearts, we receive the blood of Christ, church, is shed for us. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Pastor, I, I don't know if you have any business you need to do with the church, but if I'm going to... All right. All right, I'm almost done. I can't I can't get away from the feeling that there is someone here who wants to give their life to Christ today. And I'm I'm going to make it possible for you without making it easy for you. I'm going to make it possible because I'm going to give an invitation for a few of you to come. And when that few comes, it's important for if you're here and you're saying, Preacher, I don't really understand all that, but I believe in Jesus and I want him in my life. And we make a public confession of our faith. We, we let, we're, we're not ashamed of him. And, and he comes into our life. Oh, I still so remember when I was outside of his love. 
and I was in rebellion and I was living for myself. But I wasn't happy. I didn't like it. But I didn't know how to get out of it. And I didn't know, I didn't understand anything. And I just cried out to God and He came. And then I was kind of mad at people because they didn't tell me that it, was, that it was that easy. But the truth was they had told me, but I couldn't hear them. But inside your heart, it's burning today, and you, and you, and you want to know him. And so, uh, by the way, if that's you, just make your way down here now, if you, if you will. And others are going to come. But um, I just want you to come forward and let us pray for you. And let us pray with you. And um, if, if you're inside an aisle, somebody will help you. They'll, they'll let you go. And then there's a few people here that have very special needs. Very, um, like there's just something, it's a, it's a powerful burning on you. You're longing to know the mysteries of God. Like it's a burning thing inside of you. This is not a casual call. But it's burning. And I want to do what Jesus did. I want to bless you. That, that this gift of understanding the scriptures will increase in your life. And I want to be blessed by him as I do it. And, uh, and, then, and then finally, there's a few people here that you have uh, chronic incurable conditions. We want to pray for you. So if any of those things are you, please come forward. Just come now. Don't be shy. Just come. Just come on. Hallelujah. Just come. If you want to give your life to Christ today, I want you to fold in with these guys. And then when somebody prays for you, say, no, no, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. I'm giving myself to him. These folks are providing um, a cover for you, but then soon you'll come out from undercover because you're going to say, I'm, I'm coming to give my life to Jesus today. I can't tell you, this thing is burning in me. I can't get it out of me. I, I can't get it out of me. And... and uh, um, I was never a guy that would answer an invitation. I was, ne- I was never a guy that would say, I, I want to be saved. I wouldn't do that. And uh, I ended up crying out when I was by myself. And you can do that. But something powerful is going to happen to you if you, if, you, if you surrender your life to Jesus today. It's going to be a mighty experience with you. And so um, I want you to not hesitate. I want you to, I want you to come. And then, Pastor, I, I don't want to make the folks linger because you got a transition coming in another service today. So, all right, all right. So, so I'm gonna bless you all. First of all, I'm gonna bless you all. Um, always, my favorite thing was the last moments of church when I would lift my hands and I would say, "May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord." Make his face shine upon you, and may he be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and may he give you peace. And may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ 
Hallelujah. That great shepherd of the sheep. Bless and keep you unto eternal life. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, our King. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Church, we're going to pray for these. You're free to go or stay. We're going to pray for these. And, and, uh, it, and if you want to give your life to Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a, a corporate prayer about this thing. And then I, I'm not going to linger and talk. I'm going to do a, come, come, come close. I'm going, to do, I'm going to do a corporate prayer. And then I'm going to come by and I'm just going to lay my hand on each person as I go by. And listen to me. If you're coming, if you're, if you're coming this morning to give your life to Christ, when I lay my hand on your head, snatch my hand. In other words, I want you to indicate, I'm, this is me. You're, I'm the one you're looking for because I want to find who I'm looking for. All right? I'm, I'm going to find you. Hallelujah. I'm just going to come right over here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.